from the centre of the top table. The Fennec features oak-panelled walls and cut-glass chandeliers, elegantly complemented by candles burning in silver sticks on the tables. Dress for the dinner was black tie. The term had been a good one for the rugby club. It could boast of an impressive string of victories in the college competitions, and two members had gained their blues for the university in the annual blood feud against Oxford. In recognition of this, the master himself had attended the dinner briefly. After chatting through two or three courses, he made a witty speech congratulating the club on its achievements and then excused himself on the pretense of an early start on the following day. Thirty years of duty in some of the diplomatic service's most difficult postings had made Sir John Fisk a consummate diplomat, and, as a graduate of the college and a rugby blue himself, he knew better than to outstay his welcome. Chances were that things would be said and done which the master should not hear or see. Wine was flowing freely throughout the dinner, and most of those present had spent an hour or two in local hostelries before the meal had started, getting themselves in the mood. Club tradition demanded that after dinner, as the port was circulated, the president make a speech of his own. Donald Weston, who currently occupied the office of president, was standing at the top table, attempting valiantly to do what was expected of him, but it was by no means an easy task. He had to fight for a hearing. His efforts at humour were, for the most part, lost in a barrage of heckling and private laughter. He cared little. Weston had enjoyed a good season at Inside Centre, with ten tries and numerous crunching tackles to his credit. His was one of the blues which adorned the college, and one of his tries had been scored against the old enemy at the varsity match only three days before. Eventually, he was able to make himself heard for long enough to ask those present to rise and drink to the health of the club. The less drunken members stood loyally and raised their glasses in response. Weston, his duties as president faithfully discharged, sat down with a sigh of relief and refilled his port glass. David Trainer, his vice-president and comrade at fullback on the field, put an arm around Weston's shoulder. You know, Donald, if you're going to be a lawyer, you're bloody well going to have to learn to make yourself heard. I don't think they let juries heckle you, David, Weston replied. They don't need to if they can't hear a word you say. Trainer was grinning at him expectantly, awaiting a witty reply. But before Weston could think of anything suitably sarcastic to say, his attention was drawn to the far end of the dining room. A well-built young man was being assisted by two or three others in an effort to climb onto the table, a feat which, at the expense of some spilled wine and broken glasses, he eventually accomplished. Weston grimaced and closed his eyes. The young man, making exaggerated efforts to keep his balance, began to speak. Unlike the quietly spoken Weston, Clive Overton had no trouble making himself heard. Overton had been seated next to Weston on the top table during dinner, and Weston had not seen him move away. Was it while he was speaking? He could not account for it, and for some reason Weston found it disconcerting. My lords, ladies and gentlemen, as secretary of this club, it is my duty to maintain the traditions of the dinner, traditions which, I regret to say, 
have not been fully maintained by our most honourable president. Hear, hear, a number of drunken voices chorused in response. In view of our outstanding successes on the field of play, thunderous applause, I decree that we must offer a sacrifice to the mighty gods of the sport of rugby football, who have bestowed these victories upon us. Glasses banging in unison on the table. More applause. I therefore propose that the dinner adjourn to the river and select an offering to propitiate the gods. One or two less drunken members tried without success to tell Overton to shut up and sit down. Out of the corner of his eye, Weston saw Mackenzie slip silently from the room. The waiters followed his example as quickly as they decently could. Weston was disturbed. Something told him to do the same.